RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Stress can sneak up on anyone over time, and if left unchecked, it can affect the quality of behaviour and performance. But there are strategies to help build resilience, not only at the individual level, but for teams and organisations as well. That's according to General Surgeon Dr Richard Turner, who is Director of Hobart Clinical School and Professor of Surgery at University of Tasmania School of Medicine. Dr Turner walks us through those strategies shortly. First, Chris Ashmore asks him, what exactly is resilience? Resilience has a number of definitions. The one that brought it to my attention originally was when a junior colleague said that they were sick of hearing about resilience because it was just a cop-out for dealing with a toxic environment. And I wondered about that and so did some more work on in the area. And I think probably a better definition of resilience in our circumstances is that it's our capacity to cope with and adapt to stress in ways that allows us to maintain standards of behaviour and performance. So I would say that it's really regulating our own behaviour in response to stress so that we can actually change those adverse circumstances and serve as positive change agents. Is resilience getting a, a flacking these days because people mistake the definition of the word for perhaps something else? Yeah, possibly. I, I think in some contexts, resilience can imply toughening up in the face of adversity without any suggestion of trying to actually improve or reform the situation. And I think we need to really redefine resilience as something that we can actually achieve to try and change those negative situations. What can a lack of resilience at the individual level lead to? Well, I think in the first instance, it can lead to a feeling of disempowerment, a feeling of being left out and overlooked and so on. At worst, it can lead to you know depressive behaviour and so on. But I think it can also lead, if you're under stress, to being impulsive, being dissociated from the, the situation, losing situational awareness, and most importantly, manifesting disrespectful behaviour. And that often sounds like burnout, really. Well, what are some of the um, behavioural strategies people can apply to build their own individual resilience? Well, I think there's probably a whole lot of small things that we can put into our toolkit to try and make us resilient in the face of acute stressors. We face these every day in the profession of surgery. And the first step is to really recognise those things that are going to push our buttons. As surgeons, you know, it might be a very busy outpatient clinic when um, things are running over time and every patient seems to come in angry because they've been waiting. It could be going to a multidisciplinary team meeting where there is a disagreement about patient management. It could be excessive bleeding in an operation. So these are all obvious stressors where our behaviour could lapse if we don't manage resilience. There's also other things which are not quite stressors, but they could become that way. And in um, the Operating with Respect course that we teach in the college, we call these amber moments. And these are really things a bit like the traffic lights where one must proceed with caution. So we need to be able to have resilient strategies to deal with those. We can have certain scripts and so on to manage us or help us navigate those difficult moments. When there's real stress, of course, we can also simply just slow down and consciously do that. And this will involve a fairly low cognitive load activity, 
that can help us just gather our thoughts and regroup so that we can face the, uh, the situation. When it comes to a team environment, are there any hurdles or any obstacles that can get in the way of building resilience? Well, I think we need to realise that what I've been talking about with resilience is really avoiding situations where we can lapse into difficult behaviour um, that might affect the team. I think we all agree that we have a common purpose in surgery and that's really the patient and their management, but we also have an obligation to our team. There's a lot of work that's been done around the concept of rudeness, which might sound a bit funny, but it's actually um, a very valid thing where if rudeness is manifested in a team environment, it can actually change the outcomes. There's a very nice study from Israel in a simulation exercise in paediatric intensive care where simply by witnessing some casual rude comments by a senior person, a team actually performed worse than someone who wasn't exposed to that rudeness. So we don't even have to be the victims of the rudeness to actually have our behaviours changed. So I think for the team to be resilient, we need to avoid situations where we might lapse into rude remarks or rude behaviours. So in other words, respect is important. Respect is really the antidote to rudeness, if you like. And, and respect is something where we value people or their particular roles for their intrinsic worth and acknowledge their expertise and affirm what they do when that's justified. I think it's one of the, the key pillars, really, of a resilient individual is that they can manifest respect and that will also lead to a resilient organisation, hopefully. Mm. What's the, uh, the four-quadrant model when it comes to respect? So that's um, something we teach in Operating with Respect. It's a bit of an art form to actually teach what that means, but what it really applies to is, is a team or the, or the culture within a team. And if you can kind of think about it where respectful behaviours are like making deposits in a bank account, and the, the more respectful behaviours you manifest or witness or experience will be building up your account in trust. So the trust increases in your team in that environment. So once there's enough trust there, you can make an occasional withdrawal. In other words, you can manifest or experience what are perceived as dis- disrespectful behaviours and they will be forgiven because you really have enough trust in your bank balance to permit that. What happens when there is persistent disrespectful behaviour, you run out of trust and you go into the red and that actually becomes toxic then and it can take a long while to rebuild that trust. So I think if we can make a conscious effort to manifest respectful behaviours by being resilient, we'll keep ourselves in what they call the the affirming quadrant. In other words, our team will actually affirm itself and will achieve better outcomes for our patients. Mm. Now, there's, of course, resilience at the individual level and at the team level. What about organisational resilience? I think it's somewhat distinct from what happens at an individual level, but in fact, it depends a lot on the individuals that make up the organisation. One definition is that it's the maintenance of positive adjustment under challenging conditions, such that the organisation emerges from those conditions strengthened and more resourceful. So it it probably sounds a bit like an individual resilience model as well. But I think in terms of an organisation, really, this can refer to anything, any group of individuals with a common purpose. So it could be the College of Surgeons, it could be the hospital you work for, your particular unit, or even just the small team you have in an operating theatre on a particular day. What can influence the resilience of organisations? 
Well, I think there's a lot of external influences, perhaps, some internal, some external. Things like, you know, the material resources they have, how prepared they are and how much they plan for unforeseen circumstances, how they manage their information, their governance processes, leadership practices and so on. In the end, it's really about the culture of the organisation and how it treats its individuals, but it's also about how those individuals actually maintain their own resilience. Organisations can be quite multi-layered and structured with different silos of different groups and cultures within it. How do you build organisational resilience? I think, first of all, any organisation or team should recognise, a bit like with the individual, what are their likely stressors and amber moments? You know, in a hospital it might be a bed block. You know, it's winter, lots of people are in with the flu, Cases are being cancelled because there aren't enough beds. That's quite stressful on the whole organisation. Chronically, you know, it might be something that has to do with budget restrictions, being under-resourced or understaffed. So these are all things that maybe can be foreseen and any good governance structure would build in ways of dealing with that if possible. Are surgeons mostly resilient, do you think, do they, or are they getting better at building resilience or do they have a long way to go? They probably are, and they're probably getting better. I think when I was talking before about the sort of disrespectful behaviours one might manifest in stressful circumstances, I think it probably has been a long while since I've seen or heard of anyone throwing instruments in the operating theatre. Maybe it still happens in certain dark corners, but I think now we are getting a language now for respect and resilience. And thanks to things like the Operating With Respect course, that language is permeating, you know, all levels of our profession. In terms of being a long way, I think there's always a long way to go. But the more we can actually build our culture and have it grow, the more hopeful things will be. So I think, and we can have that as a trickle-down approach from senior people, a lot of senior people are doing or mandated to do the Operating With Respect course. But the sooner we can actually have access to that by our junior colleagues and even medical students we can grow the culture and meet halfway. Dr Richard Turner. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.